This is Robert Stark. I'm joined here with uh, Richard Spencer. Richard, it's uh, great talking to you. Yeah, it's good to be back on your show. It's been a little while, maybe a year or so. Yeah, it's been probably about a couple of years. Well, and I'm also joined here with uh, Francis Nally and Brandon Adamson. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the news with uh, Richard Spencer and also just uh, general politics. I think a good place to start is with uh, Trump because I remember there was this period where there was all this enthusiasm with Trump, and now we've got into about a year and a half into Trump's presidency. And the big thing in the news is Trump's appointment of John Bolton, who's pretty much like the ultimate neocon. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's actually offensive to many neocons. Uh, he's offensive to many people in the deep state, uh, just in the sense of his almost, you know, outlandish comments and desires to create wars, particularly in Iran. But he is a massive, violent hawk when it comes to Russia, when it comes to North Korea, all the hotspots. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to say um, my, my hopes for Trump have really been dashed. I mean, I thought I never thought that he was going to be, you know, this identitarian who was going to inaugurate the ethno state or something. I, I, I wasn't too caught up in that, in that both right wing and in a way a right wing fantasy and left wing nightmare. Uh, but the things that I did think he, he I, I did really count on him in terms of foreign policy. Uh, I, I, I definitely thought that the wall would be well underway by now. And I thought that he was going to be just so alienated and alienating alienated from and alienating to the mainstream conservative movement that he was going to do all of these kind of left, right, outside the box type things, you know, um, big infrastructure deals, you know, put put the opioid, you know, put people who are victims of the opioid crisis to work, rebuilding infrastructure, rebuilding the wall, uh, do do some things that are that are have been classified as liberal over the past few decades. And I've just simply been wrong. I mean, my, my hopes have been dashed. His foreign policy has not been all that bad. Uh, he, he has basically maintained the status quo. Uh, his actions against, against Syria were, you know, they, they did not eventuate into any kind of war. He's just he's maintained the status quo in Afghanistan, uh, in, in Iraq. Uh, he, he seems to want to reach out to Russia or, or just be be normal with Russia. Uh, but uh, he hasn't quite been able to achieve that. Uh, in terms of immigration, um, there, there are some good things to say about the RAISE Act. Uh, there are many things that I wouldn't say uh, very kindly about it. Uh, there, you know, the, the, his attempt to trade DACA for an, for an end to chain migration was very interesting. And I actually praised him for this. I was one of the very few who was saying, well, you know, this is actually a really good deal. This is interesting. This is changing the paradigm. And that would be to grant a DACA amnesty in exchange for ending chain migration. Because uh, the, the conservative, basic conservative talking points is it's about legal versus illegal immigration. But this completely changes the, the dichotomy. Exactly. To, it's about the numbers. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I've uh, I've mentioned this before. It's when I would go to conservative gatherings previously, like CPAC or something like that. It, again, it was all we just love legal immigration, and you didn't hear a lot of talk about chain migration. I don't think there was much awareness of of what chain migration is, what, how the current migration, how the current immigration system really works. This is the paradigm. Since 1965, the paradigm has effectively been a you know non-discrimination and B, family reunification or chain migration. And Donald Trump was actually trying to change that. So that whole, we love legals, but hate illegals was, was, was transformed. And it was like, no, we have to really deal with legal immigration. And that was a step forward, but it's ultimately come for, to not. I mean, it's, he, that deal was interesting, but Chuck Schumer announced pretty forthrightly that there was no deal. He would, you know, he grasped, he, he, Chuck Schumer understands what chain migration is. He, he grasped that this is dramatically changing the character of the United States. And, and it's certainly in a way that supports the democratic party. So it, you know, it, it was an interesting try, but I don't think there's going to be another chance. I mean, I don't, I, I, and I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not a doom and gloom you know, person. And I, I, I'm ultimately optimistic, but the prospects of immigration reform, like, you know, let's say respectable, sensible, kosher, if you will, Republican immigration reform. Ah, I mean, the prospects are approaching zero at this point. Uh, there is going to be, it is going to be very, very difficult for the GOP to increase their majority in in, in Congress to increase, you know, I, I think they might very well lose the House. They they might hold on to the Senate, but even that is ultimately in jeopardy in one of these wave like snapback elections. Uh, so again, what has really been accomplished? Um, some tax cuts, some Republican stuff. It's 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 been rather sad. I mean, we we were so euphoric in 2016 and in the beginning of 2017 that we as a whole movement i think got a, got way out ahead of ourselves and got very excited about oh we we've reached this synthesis where you know our ideas as white nationalists are are being implemented through a kind of mainstream republican that is someone who isn't us but who's able to reach uh, conservative voters. And it, it was an amazing synthesis. And I don't, I don't regret getting excited. I, I think it's, it's good to seize opportunities and so on. Um, I don't, I look back upon it fondly. So I don't, I don't have any, uh, yeah, I don't have any regrets or ill will, but I, we also need to take a, a reality pill about what is happening. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Trump administration, from the perspective of an identitarian, is really not going anywhere in terms of in terms of policy. Now, Trump is creating these culture war, you know, moments for us. Uh, but and, and, and certainly the, the the whole country is just so radically polarized that, you know, everything's political. The, the left is escalating. I. I I think the the Overton window is shifting in both directions. You know, yeah, it's interesting. What... It's interest. It's interesting to see if he adopted his original strategy, which is a fusion of American nationalism with uh, 
a kind of centrist populism, if that original strategy was implemented, would the country be as polarized as it is? It's a good question. I, I think it probably would be as polarized as it is, because at the end of the day, the, the left is not reacting to policy. They're not reacting even to, you know, let's say some corruption or some kind of, you know, the the Michael Flynn situation, Ivanka and Jared in the White House, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. They're, they're not even reacting to that. Or against or or Russia stuff, which is you know a lot of insinuation, but but not much substance. They're not even reacting to that. They're just reacting to what Donald Trump represents, and that and that is white America. And so I I think, you know, if, if Donald Trump had become president in the eighties, and he had he had he had, he was considering doing this, if, if he had become president then, he, he could have been an interesting you know, fusion between a lot, a lot of liberal things, liberal on trade, you know, quote, liberal, in quote, on trade, on, on uh, even some cultural issues, uh, liberal on, um, on some basics, you know, he, he seems to have a heart, uh, if not a head, you know, liberal on, say, health care and things like that. Uh, but then uh, very conservative in his general right wing, even in his general attitude and, um you know, bombast and in kind of pro-capitalist ways, uh, it, it would have been very interesting. But it, 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 he he might have been successful. But but at this point, I just I I don't think it works. Um, you know, th- these these maggot types are just they they keep trying to bring they they try to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. They keep trying to bring the country back together again via patriotism or civic nationalism or economic nationalism, in the case of Bannon or what have you. And it, it just can't really be done. I mean, the, the whole country, we, we're not the same people. And we're, uh, we, we kind of hate each other. And yeah, it's a, it's a tragedy, but you know, it is what it is. I, I don't, again, I have no regrets. I have no ill will for, for what happened. Um, I'm, I'm not in a state of gloom and doom. I, I'm just in a state of, look, the, the, the alt-right, we, we have to do this ourselves. We have to face the public. We have to communicate with, with, both, with average Americans and communicate with elites and intellectuals and so on. Uh, we need to build up a real movement. We're not just going to do this by, you know, posting some Pepe memes and then, oh, Trump will just do this all for us. The God Emperor will take it from here. It's not going to work like that. You have, you've put out a lot of interesting policy proposals. Uh, you've came out in support of a lot of uh, unconventional ideas for from a right-wing perspective, such as the basic income and nationalized health care. Can you talk right. about both of those issues and their benefits? Oh, uh, sure. I mean, the... Um, the the national health care, I mean, th- those are similar issues. Uh, first off, th- this notion that we have some uh, a, a capitalist or free market health care is, is completely absurd. Uh, we have a totally screwed up health care system. We have basically socialized the insurance market and we are operating through the insurance market in order to grant health care, which is just simply wrong. Insurance is there for a rainy day. It's it's there for when things go really bad. Insurance should not be used in the way that we're using it. And so what we end up in 
is uh, having spending the most per capita on healthcare. I mean, healthcare makes up 20% of the economy, which is just insane when you think about this. We have these huge bureaucracies. Huge, it's just a total disaster. Um, and again, I, 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 I could follow a, a liberal argument, or excuse me, a, a libertarian argument and say, oh, well, the market could take care of this. I mean, I, I might disagree with that to an extent, but I think they have a point. But the fact is, you know, we don't live in this two-dimensional plane of, of pure rationality and arguments. We live in the three-dimensional world of human beings. And people just don't want to hear this. They don't trust it for better or for worse. And so I, I, I think there's no question that a national system would be better for Americans. It would be pro-white in the sense that the kinds of people who are really suffering, who are having their job outsourced or, autom or automatized, who are you know suffering from the opioid epidemic, et cetera, are just gonna are, are gonna obviously benefit. I think it just makes life simpler for a lot of middle class people. Um, and even and, Trump you know, has expressed support for it in the past. He has. There's no question. Um, you know, basic income is 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 also an interesting thing. I mean, this is something that Charles Murray has supported. It's interestingly, uh, he, he's basically said that you know let's let's just cut out the middleman effectively. Uh, we we're, we we use the redistribution system of the government endlessly to create all these new programs and so on and funnel money in and out into people and people who can gain the system benefit and blah blah blah. Uh, why don't we just simply simplify things and um, have probably a graduated that is, you know, means tested um, uh, um, income tax uh, going up the scale and then just have a negative income tax going down the scale. So no one is going to no one is going to be here as a citizen without a, a basic twenty thousand dollar income or something of this nature. Uh, again, it's just radically simplifying things. And, you know, I, as I pointed out in my piece on, um, on, on national health care, which was at uh, altright.com, you know, I, there's, there's almost a political benefit, maybe even a cynical benefit, you could say, of supporting many of these programs of national Oh, cause, because your, your point is that a lot of political dissidents are not outspoken because they're in fear of losing their health care benefits. Yes, I mean— if we could get people on a basic income and and a national health care system, I think there would be many people who would start to speak out uh, because they know that their basic necessities are going to be taken care of. And beyond that, I think even normal people will start thinking about, you know, they, they'll start thinking about the national system in a more racial way. Uh, they they'll stop thinking about America as oh it's just a big free market you just come here and make what you will you know make it make of your life what you will get what you can make a quick buck and they'll start thinking of no we have our programs that are for us and I, I do think that that naturally tends towards uh, immigration restriction and and it, it, it one and then b just having better immigrants. <laughs> Uh, we we don't want to bring in a bunch of refugees who, who are going to you know sap the system. Do you want to comment on the Raise Act, which you're generally sympathetic to, but you have some reservations about it? Yeah, I mean I I'm sympathetic towards it. I I think there's some good things about it, and so I I wouldn't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
the the general ending of chain migration, I think, is very good. Uh, chain migration back in 1965, when most immigrants were white, you could say was pro-white or, or, or benefited us. But certainly by the, the late 80s and 90s and, you know, most definitely today, this is a radically anti-white measure. It's 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 allowing, you know, uh, uh, Mexicans to, you know, Hispanics and, and so on to bring in you know, their, their entire extended family. Uh, getting rid of that is good. Now, the, where I objected to the RAISE Act was in this move towards high skill-based immigration. And I get it, you know, all things being equal, who, which immigrant would you want? A, a smart guy from India who's a coder and a doctor or some, you know, peon peasant from Mexico? Sure, on one basic level, you want the Indian, but on a deeper level, we want the white middle class to rise. We want them to be coders and doctors. And the Rays Act never touched the H-1B visa issue as well, by the way. But, you know, we want we want Americans to rise to these professions. We don't want to screw over the, you know, kind of the, the right half of the bell curve, that, that center right half of the bell curve, you could say. All these people with IQs in the 110 to 125 range, uh, people who can be programmers or physicians or lawyers or so on. We, we want whites to do that kind of stuff. And just this idea that we would bring in all of these very smart people uh, from India, from China, and so on. Again, these are populations with billions of people. that You could find smart ones, there's no question. Uh, I, I think would be uh, very, uh, very bad uh, for white Americans. So I'm ambivalent about it. I think there's some good things about it. And but I, you know, again, I just I, I would hope that we could at some point and I know this is, you know, <laughs> these things are fleeting, but just uh, go back towards a 1924 style race based immigration program. So ideally, would you like to see a complete moratorium on immigration or would you like to see something modeled on Israel's law or to be a right of return for Europeans? Well, I would say in the short term, a moratorium for, say, 25 years would be a, a very good thing. Uh, we have certainly enough people. But, you know, look, the as, as you know, I mean, I've been saying this for a while. I mean, so much is baked into the cake. I mean, by by the summer of 2011, the majority of births were to non-white mothers. So you know, America's demographic destiny is is baked uh, into the cake. There was actually a study by the Washington Post that said that if Trump changed um, chain migration, he would maintain the white majority for an additional five to 10 years for something. So, I mean, all of this stuff is just not good enough. It's it, again, it's it's like some of these um, aging conservative boomers like uh, Rush Limbaugh, who said, all, we'll allow in all the illegals. We're, we'll have mass immigration, but they can't vote for ten years. You know, so we're gonna we're gonna screw over our grandchildren. Um, right. Uh, and if if I could uh, if I could just interject here, this kind of um, sure. brings up a little bit these um, this new tendency that we're seeing this of uh, these people that want to become like American white nationalists, oh, and it's just kind of like the um, yeah that's. And countercurrents had an article, and England's been going on about that for a while. And now what you, you see is like um, the demographics just aren't there for in order to to win the kinds of majorities you would need to implement that. Um, 
you know, this, this idea of like, um, like you said, it's, it's baked into the cake. Like you can, you can make all kinds of arguments how uh, America was originally founded as an Anglo white country or whatever, but yeah. uh, it's totally irrelevant because of, of where things are at now is what matters. Like you're, you're, what are you going to do? Like you're going to give a speech to a, uh, a room full of uh, full of Indians and Chinese telling them uh, to vote for uh, American white nationalism. It's almost kind of like uh, comical. You know? Or we, like, we just need to wave a flag and we'll trick them all or something. I mean, that that's a rather uncharitable reading of what they're saying. Uh, but yeah, I, I think after the midterm, a lot of this kind of stuff is going to die down. I, I think this is kind of like a residue of, of MAGA. Um, I, I would also say this. I mean, I'm I'm conflicted about America because I, I do think that there is, I mean, first off, I'm an American. I mean, I only have one passport. I was born here. Uh, I speak the English language. I, I like many parts of America. And the other thing is, I do think there's a redeemable American past. There, there is a certain, you know, when you think about the, the cowboy, uh, the, the explorer, uh, the 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 upright maybe uptight businessman uh, the 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 southerner uh, the 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 uh, curmudgeon you know uh, either a rebel or Yankee uh, even even the the wasp and so on I, I, there are, there are, there is some redeemable you could say types of uh, of American uh, that that I that and again I, I don't think we should reject these or or engage in a kind of you know, European style anti-Americanism where we just think every American is obese, you know, eating himself to death at, at Burger King and, you know, watching VR porn and, and, you know, with adopting, you know, 20 Haitian babies and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, right. It, I, I would be, I would be, I would be more sympathetic to it if, um, if they had some kind of like, actionable pathway they were promoting like it towards some kind of like a mini America, like in, through some form yeah. of balkanization. But this idea of like retaking America in its entirety, like, I, I mean, I've never heard any of these people have any kind of uh, plan for how they're going to win California's crucial, like 55 electoral votes when like California is only like 40, 45% white well, or something like that, or, or New York for that matter. Yeah. yeah, or Texas in five years, for that matter. Right. I mean, um, the, the window the window is closing like within you know last year. You know, I mean, Trump I, I, won with like a paper thin yeah. margin. You know, on a, on a as a civic nationalist, and so they're and they're trying to take it even further by running on like this uh, uh, like Buchananism, like you know, plus like banning alcohol and pornography. And, and, Trump uh, isn't yeah. even a civic nationalist. He's basically a uh, standard corporate Republican. Well, I agree, but, I mean, but it's, it's safe to say that he ran maybe as a civic nationalist. He's definitely not. Once he was elected, then he became like kind of a, a normie Republican. But it, you could make the case that um, that he ran and he won as a civic nationalist. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He was able to. And, and <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there there are a couple of things here. I mean, to to give them to give them the mo- their most charitable reading, um, I, I would. I'm reminded of something that Sam Francis said, which is that Sam Francis also believed that there was a redeemable America, as I said, and I agree with them, and that if we're going to become anti-American, if we're going to say, let's split up the country and have our little ethnic enclaves, uh, you know, burn the flag, you know, we, we should, uh, you know, Vermont should go its own way and the Dixie should go its own way, et cetera. He, he, said, he said that you're going to, you're, you're going to horrify 
uh, and alienate yourself from the average American in the sense that they, they will see you as a flag burner and so on. And we want to do things that resonate with the average American. I, I think that there is, even if, even if this is purely about tactics or, or aesthetics or symbols, I think there's a lot there. And the other thing is that um, the left is, you know, it, it is increasing in intensity and it is often rejecting the picket fence Americana, et cetera. But, you know, I would just say this. First off, uh, the left, you know, you can find some truly anti-American leftists and so on in, in Berkeley or whatever. Uh, but the fact is they are perfectly willing to pick up the flag again and drape themselves in it and talk about how they are the true American. Barack Obama came onto the scene in 2004 at the John Kerry convention, basically invoking civic nationalism and, 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 and anti-racism, in fact. He said, he said, there is no black America, there's no Chinese America, there's no white America, there is the United States of America. Uh, they, the left is perfectly able and willing to do things like this. And I would not be at all surprised that they would do things like this again. And, and you know, the fact is, the American founding fathers, I don't know, uh, there is this other meme, the, the American founding fathers were white nationalists. I, I just, I really chafe at a lot of these things. It's it's not entirely wrong. I mean, they they obviously had a strong sense of uh, they had a, they had a sense of race. They had, they had even a sense of of, of ethnic identity um, in terms of you know Germans and and some other people coming in. They they, they yeah they wanted an Anglo Protestant community here, and so I mean I'm not going to deny that they weren't aware of race and so on. Uh, but again, it's the American founding. They it was these aristocratic planters who were infatuated with uh, enlightenment ideals in terms of the, in terms of their legitimization of, of the country. And their, their, their fact is there, there are really big glaring problems to American identity that even if someone like me wants to recognize that there is a redeemable aspect to it, that there are these huge glaring problems in the sense that, we we have the worst civic identity, even the French identity, which is, you know, propositional in its way, uh, which actually rivals the United States in, in being the pro the proposition nation, uh, still has a concept of peoplehood that American uh, civic nationalism or or, or what ha what have you lacks. I mean, American nationalism has been in, in our in our lifetime. I mean, as a brand, it has been just defined by the civil rights movement, by non-discrimination, by individualism, by all these you know Jefferson uh, quotes that are, to a degree, taken out of context, but to a degree not, to be honest. Uh, that I just I don't know. We we the idea that we should just go back to this or get enraptured by all of these things. I, it is just a really big problem. I mean, America, in terms of the, in terms of geopolitical, uh, geopolitics, this is America's world. I mean, we aren't just some little country like Finland or something who, who is a, you know, at least has the excuse of being a victim of, of geopolitics and power. America is the dominant player in the world today. And I don't think anyone thinks that the world is headed in the right place. 
Uh, so to, to deny these ideological problems, these geopolitical problems, et cetera, and, and just say, let's just, you know, MAGA, let, let's, e it, let's even go, let's be worse than Trump. Because Trump was, was, did run as a civic nationalist, and he was viewed as a white nationalist. But now, no, no, let, let's, let's actually go back. Let's just be conservatives. Or, or, or I, I just, again, I, I, I'll grant the people making this argument some points. Like, I'm not, it's not a, a, a polemic in the sense that, you know, ah, or a Manichaean polemic. Ah, oh, you're totally wrong. I'm totally right. No, I, I will grant them some. There, there isn't, there, there's a tension here that we need to be very specific about. But I don't know that just this, this idea that this is the way forward. I just, I thought we were all past this. Uh, right. And the, the, uh, the comparison, the comparison with like, um, that they use with like these European political identitarian movements, like it doesn't work because in, in those countries, like they're in a much better demographic situation, number one. Yes. Uh, and then number two, um, in those countries, you can get uh, parliamentary representation even with a small amount of the vote. So it's like in the U.S., if you, even if you get all of these these people together and you get uh, you're able to get 40 percent of the vote or 30 percent, like that wins you nothing in, in America. Whereas in these other countries, you, you get uh, you know, they have runoff elections, representation in parliament um, in in the U.S., you get if you have 30 percent of the vote, like you really have no more power than um, a party that's got five percent or two percent. So it's like um, it, it, all that matters is whether or not you're going to get enough to have the the legislative majorities you need to overcome the, the judicial obstacles and the uh, you know the filibusters and that kind of thing. Like you need huge majorities, like like 60, 70, 80 percent. You would have to win, um, and right. those numbers just aren't there. <clears throat> right. I have a question. Uh, Francis Nelly, do you oh. have a question? Yeah, hold on. Uh, about a week ago, there was that huge, I, I guess it was called, I don't know, I think it was March Against the Guns. I actually wasn't in tune with right. it. But March for Our Lives. March for Our Lives, yeah. And yeah. the surprising thing about it, what I learned, was that supposedly the media was saying a lot of young people were being backed of it. And there was also, you might come across a, a Team Vogue article that says, look, these young millennials who like uh, Harry Potter and Star Wars are putting it up to the man by showing uh, that if teenagers can uh, get rid of uh, – uh, Hogwarts can get rid of Baltimore, then U.S. citizens can get rid of the NRA and all this really goofy stuff. And it, it shows you um, that the state of the college or the university that maybe – SJWism is becoming more militant. Uh, I was just curious, what is your thoughts on this whole guns march and the millennial, this, you know, this millennial attitude and has it been more dangerous to now go to, is there any plans to even go to college or have tours this year? Even if it's 2018, it seems like it's getting worse. Oh yeah. Well, I guess you, you have two questions in there. Um, I'll, I'll ask, I'll answer the, the second one. Um, yeah. The, the, I have basically suspended the college tour um, because it was, you know, at least the college tour in the way that it was. Because, you know, keep in mind, a, a lot of these people naysaying, they weren't naysaying when it was working. We, we were able to thread a needle in late 2016 and the first half of 2017 where I could go to A&M or Auburn and the system was working in our favor. So... We, we went in, the, the university was not happy, but we could still use that platform, that, that a free speech public place. 
And those both of those went great. Now, after Charlottesville and, and with and then with Florida and then with Michigan, the empire struck back in the sense. Sorry, I'm being I'm millennial. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm stuck. It's stuck. I'm stuck in this. You're resisting well. and get the boomers or, or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, well, that's Generation X. I mean, Richard and I, I think, are the same age. I was born in 78. So like that yes. Star Wars Empire Strikes Back is definitely. No, I was born. Age, I'm the youngest. Early 80s childhood. Here. So I'm more of the young guy. Yeah, I'm 85. But... <laughs> yeah, I'm the youngest. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so the the Empire struck back. They figured out ways to make it very uncomfortable and to turn my events into mini Charlottesvilles, where you have 500 Antifa and they're attacking people. I mean, look, I don't want to demoralize people, and I'm not trying to create a pitched battle so i have rethought things now i actually am going to be and i'm not going to announce the day or the or the time or anything or the place but i actually will be appearing in a much much reduced capacity at a college so the interest in identitarian ideas is really there uh, but we just need to find different ways and maybe smaller ways of doing it so you know it's it's going to happen but it's just i i, I you know i'm always recalibrating and rethinking things i'm not i i pride myself in being flexible and i so you know everyone don't worry i'm i'm in a process of rethinking my strategy but i'm there is going to be a strategy i just i don't want you know what we were what we were doing stopped working and so it's time to change any any businessman knows this any you know, football coach for god's sake knows this you just you have to rethink things so that's where i am well it's like um, weird because i you know a lot of you know, I'm a part of my own alt-right circles, and there are a lot of young people getting into us, uh, identitarian, yeah. you know, reading this online, but it's very small niche. And when you go to like a normal college or especially on campus, you're seeing a lot more, not to sound pe- sound pessimistic really, uh, more militant. You could say maybe that SJWism, they're growing more jaded and they're becoming militant. I mean there was that kid – Oh, I'm forgetting. It was I saw it all over Facebook. It's like this kid with a clean cut doing this power to the man salute or something saying, yeah, Our daddy's got to go. And I'm like, it's kind of pinko and communist in a way. But at the same time, have the SJWs gone fascist? Well, they look at look at where we are right now. Um, what has been the the, the left wing trend that has become really intense just over the past really over the past year, but, but definitely over the past, say, year and a half. It's Antifa. And, you know, I haven't actually even heard from Black Lives Matter uh, recently. Um, they they are not the ones pushing the agenda. They, they kind of had their moment back in 2013, 2014. Now Antifa is it. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> Antifa is a, it, it's, it's, it's like it all the kids the who like wash like list went up to like hot topic and like the dead Kennedys about fucking off Nazi <laughs> punks and then they they grew up and now they want to hate on Richard Spencer just because they're bad and mean people and they don't go into debt but it's more scary and militant because it's also this I see it everywhere it's like almost like young hip culture is now immediately Antifa without any it's like it's it's very strange yeah it is strange and it's more intense BLM was out of control in many of their actions. So, you know, when, when there would be a, there there would be a a police shooting of some man 
Maybe it was a little ambiguous. Maybe the police officer was guilty, which which can happen. Uh, and then, there, of course, there's some BLM march, and then they they block traffic and they burn down convenience stores and and what have you. And and in the most violent and intense situation, which uh, I believe was the summer of 2015, there there was that terrible uh, shooting in Dallas, a sniper, which was uh, you know terrifying. He was inspired by BLM to some degree, although he he you know I seriously doubt BLM ordered him to do that, but. Um, at the same time, BLM always had a certain sympathetic air to it. I mean, not from out from us, but from your average normie in the sense that, you know, who, who wouldn't say for them, oh, black lives matter and oh, police brutality is bad. With blah, BLM, blah, blah. I mean, I don't not it's saying I don't, I don't support them or agree with them, but at least they're taking on a powerful institution uh, Antifa are picking on groups that are completely powerless. Yes, th- that is another thing. Um, as I, Gregory Hood wrote this, I believe, you know, An- Antifa are the stormtroopers of the establishment. They are attacking physically exact the, the one group of people whom the establishment has targeted for non-personhood and and who are actually attempting to change the system, i.e., us. But but also they at the same time, like Antifa's popularity is is you know with with your average normie is is next to zero i mean black lives matter with your average centrist normie maybe they'd be like oh well you know something should be done about this police violence issue no one wants that but your average normie views antifa as just totally disgusting and uh so things have become more intense and there's you know again antifa blm is about you know justice but it's kind of american in a way you know, Antifa is is fundamentally about anarcho-communism. Yeah, no, that's and, really weird because it seems like – and that's what I'm actually saying is that the Antifa culture, if you think what their biggest celebration was, like the battle for Seattle, this was like 20-something years ago. It seems to me these mm-hmm. were like kid, young kids or like possibly late Gen X and maybe early millennial who were like into hardcore punk and it became fashionable to be Antifa and pick on evil racist people. And then all of a sudden, now that Antifa has like the stage, it's like, yeah, the normie is, sees it repulsive. I think that's the good news. But at the same time, a lot of young people, um, you know, they come from the middle of Cincinnati, Ohio, and then they go to New York for university. And then you could say get paused and then they become a part of, antifa quote-unquote culture and it's like this weird thing that young whites especially millennials are falling into and to me it feels like it's a high school mentality it just so happens that evil quote-unquote racist people are the targets and they shouldn't really be and it's almost like the alt-right antifa are coming from two different worlds i don't know Uh, yeah we're definitely coming from two different worlds although it is it is interesting like lacey mccauley is um Kind of the uh, the Richard Spencer of Antifa, you could say. She she has a advanced degree. She worked in various <laughs> think tanks or something. If she would ever like clean herself or change her horrible hair, oh, weren't you on a bench be... talking to her? I think it was like a news report. I think it was ABC. Yeah, or... yeah. I, I, I actually they didn't include this, but I was like, yeah, like I I, I, I should have gone harder to be honest. But yeah, you, you just need to change your hair and you know, do all this stuff. You, there's probably a good looking woman buried underneath. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly um, what I'm talking uh, Brandon, about. It's like Brandon that smelly at- punk rocker type. Yeah. I don't know how to tell. It's like, it's like that, that woman, if she represents all of Antifa, it just goes to show you that it's like, 
there's this kind of scene stir or mentality where it's like, I want to be like that person, someone who believes in anarchy to a serious point. But then again, it's like a byproduct of like, you're on a, like, I think it's mostly just a lot of kids on trust funds and they just want to be quote unquote. Liberated. Oh, I don't think that I, that might be the case for some, oh. there's no question, but the, I, I will grant Antifa this. They might ultimately be tools of the system it, in a Marx, ironically, in a Marxian way, in an objective way, as they would say that. Uh, but I do think that they're genuine. The, the most of them are genuine, and they are true gutter punks. Lacey McCauley is a bit of a, a, an exception to that rule, uh, but they they look genuine. There's no, I mean, most of them that I see, there's no way in hell they are they have a trust fund or they, they could ever be working in mm. industry or something. I mean, they are yeah, just, I mean, people they are strung out. People don't really want to admit this on either side, but both the alt-right and the Antifa movement are phenomenons of the millennial generation lacking the economic opportunities. Mm. I agree with that assessment. Um, and, and you do see some Gen Xers in, in, in Antifa, and, and I'm sure there are even some boomers, but but I think you're generally right. Uh, it, it's, you know, the you're, the, the alt writer. I mean, the, that stereotype is is wrong. Like, oh, it's an it's it's you're just some autistic kid in your basement watching anime porn or whatever. But the fact is, you know, and I and I say this sympathetically. There there are a lot of people who don't feel like they have a stake. They they don't feel like they have skin in this game. They're they're sitting on college loan debt. They're sitting on either a crappy job or, or no job, and they are, are, are almost living online, and they're, they're achieving community with people in forums and so on. And, and a lot of these tend to alt-right. Now, I'm not saying that to demean anyone. I'm just saying it is what it is. I understand where they're coming from. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. And, and obviously, our view is, should always be about ascending. So it's kind of like, yeah, my life sucks. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't get a girl, but I want to be better. You know, I, I imagine a better world where we, we do have stability and order and, and families and so on. Uh, the Antifa, you know, tact, they just they just want to see the world burn. And, you know, it, you know and, and, and it really is because, you know, However you want to talk about me being a romantic or whatever, talking about the ethnostate or Europeanism or whatever. I mean, they, and I'm being serious, like I'm trying to be as charitable as possible. They have no, like, ideology outside of, like, Hulk smash, you know? <laughs> you know? Well, their it's philosophy just... is basically, okay, so their only philosophy I could say is Crime Think, which is an anarchist organization in California. And I have some of their books, but... You're pretty much right, yeah, Hulk smash, but it's also this ideal where they're quote-unquote fighting for our lives and that everything is oppressive and evil, and supposedly they also have this weird Star Trek Borg mentality where they believe in like – They do. Where it's like if someone in the community is offended, you don't approach that people. You got to wear a mask and then all of a sudden when the day comes, you got to kick out the Nazis because all the uh, – the police, the system, the capitalist system is inherently fascist and evil and going against this uh, human nature and the world should be uh, liberated. It's really weird if you look into anarchist theory. And I strongly believe every Antifa has at least looked at crime think books. But I don't know. That's just something I realize. Or they just listen to too much hardcore punk. But yeah. 
Uh, Brandon Adamson has this concept called the alt-left, or now he calls it left of the alt-right. Brandon, do you want to explain your ideology? And Richard, can you comment on that? Sure. Well, it's basically, um, it used to be, it's at altleft.com. It used to be, um, before Trump completely ruined the term by like uh, by using it to refer to, uh, to Antifa and these groups, but it was basically people who were... Um, uh, pro-white or identitarian, but uh, much more liberal on on other issues, uh, based on on the fact that so often you see uh, people in the in the pro-white community, um, they they automatically seem to want to pa- uh, like package being pro-white with with all of these other uh, all of their other pet issues, you know, like Catholicism or right. uh, you're banning alcohol, banning pornography, all, all this other stuff that it's it's just kind of taken for granted that you're uh, some kind of hardcore uh, social conservative, basically like they're they're basically like uh, like a white nationalist, uh, like a Rush Limbaugh, like if he was white nationalist or something like that, or um, you know Pat Buchanan or something like that. They they just assume that you're like that, but I think that there is um, even going back as far. There's always been kind of there's nothing inherently about being pro-white that says that you've got you've got to sign on to all of these other these other items, because it, in a way, it, it actually makes more sense for people on the left to be interested in these issues. Because if, if you look at things like immigration, in order to have like a functioning uh, socialized healthcare system and, and tariffs and all these things, you need to, to maintain a delicate balance where it's not uh, it's not going to work. If you're just kind of a uh, a conservative, you may not necessarily need that, but you actually need these things for a lot of the the other. Systems to work, so it's basically uh, um, just that. I guess it was. Uh, um, I always kind of considered myself on just on kind of the the left of the alt right, and then you know in the last couple of years, then you started to get. Um, it became more about this hardcore social conservatism, you know, like a, a banning pornography and a white Sharia and all of these other memes like trad this and trad that. Like, so I think it's like kind of pushed out some of the other people that were like. Um, cool you know, guys. More like, <laughs> yeah. like Jim Goad and things like that. Like, yeah, you cool know what guys. I'm talking about? Like, yeah, well, yeah. I could, I would say that um, I, I'm fairly alt left in, in that sense, in the in, in the way that I, I'm willing to go there on, say, socialized medicine uh, or so on. Um, I, I certainly give Christianity its due, but um, I, you know, I, I've I've never been a a a, a Christian in, in in, in the way that that many of them are, and and I don't I don't think that we should just have some kind of reactionary thing of um, let's all go you know back to Latin mass and and drink uh, chocolate sundays uh, at the drive-in or something. I, I I think that is a a kind of nostalgia for for a few decades ago, and it is uh, uh, you know not that helpful. I, I I think we should reach more of a, a higher synthesis. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't many really terrible things about the the way the world's going and how there can be you know solutions to this that that come from tradition that we can draw upon uh you you mentioned the 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 porn question i mean i i, I think um uh pornography is um is a quite terrible thing but but not 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 quite in the way that a lot of traditionalists uh, think it is i i think we're almost entering a a, a simulacrum world where you know, one of the most human basic things, which is making love, 
uh, and in yeah. reproduction. You know, but 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 even the act itself. You know, obviously reproduction is the end. But even the act itself is a, is a deeply human thing that that is a that is a maybe not quite an end in itself, but it, but it's it's close. It's an almost like itself. every like white girl you know today aspires to be a porn actress, where she's like, "Oh, I've had slept with thirty guys and I'm twenty years old." That's literally like a millennial it, girl mentality. And it's quite it's horrifying, and and it's almost yeah, and 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 it, and, and also taking like degenerate acts from pornography into the real world. But but there's an, a flip side to it which is that we, we seem to be living in this simulacrum world where we don't make love and instead we watch porn. And enact and, it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, that, I think, that, I think that's, that's a very dangerous place we're going. So I do think that tradition, we can call upon tradition, uh, and not, not just a Christian tradition, but, but, but a, a deep European tradition. I think we can really call upon things like that, so I'm not I'm not anti-tradition, but but I, I agree with you. I, I resonate a lot with the alt left um, in the way that you described it—a uh, willingness to get out of that right-left dichotomy, which is really fake. I mean, I I described it in one speech I gave called "Beyond Conservatism," um, as as you know. Oh, actually, I, I take that back. I described it as a jigsaw puzzle where the pieces don't fit. I mean, Paul Godfrey called it thought clusters and, and, and we're, we're both getting at the same thing. And that is if you are, if you're pro white and you are an identitarian, why is it, why would you therefore oppose environmentalism? Because you're quote on the right. right. Why would and you a lot of these pro big business? Exactly. A lot of these uh, Swipple things have a lot of value to them, like environmentalism and new urbanism. And local it's also business. true that I always well, thought that, you know, a part of being also alt left is something like, you know, as Brandon was saying that, you know, it seems to be that there's a lot of trad people out there, but it's also true that I really think that, and not to sound like Miliana pop, you know, Milo, it's like, I think there could be alt right gays, even though that sounds contradictory. I still think there could be homosexual or bisexual allies and you could still do like sweeple things and yet be kind of anti-liberal you know, have a post-liberalism. Well, and yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it's also like, it's also by design too, if, if you think about it, that people fall into this trap because um, like the other side, like they want to pigeonhole you as this kind of like, um, really like this, this kind of hillbilly uh, mentality. So it's kind of like if you if you said that you were like pro white or that you you know you're into white identity or something they'd be like well why do you hate gays you know because That's they already right. have like pigeon pigeonholed you uh, into this thing and um, and these people are all too willing to uh, to accept what's like what's projected onto them and I think that um, it's also kind of funny because these a lot of these same people will um, will talk about normies and and optics and like and and waving the flag and like do do they not realize that like some of this other stuff is seen as like almost just as like cringeworthy by like large segments of the people like some of this other stuff that they're advocating um and yeah just when it comes to the issue of uh culture and aesthetics a lot of conservatives fetishize like a lot of really awful stuff like walmart's track housing uh mega churches well ironically liberals 
uh, tend to prefer a more traditional European aesthetic. Like there's the whole new urbanist movement. Or that gets more cool. Mm. I think a lot of liberals do have better taste in music and art, even though we could say the pause is there. I just think the best part of the alt-right is try to get that pauseness out of like the urban swipple fine art vegan restaurant punk rock interracial dating and turn it into like this if you want to say alt-right or some kind of strange post-liberal no more sjwism and you you know i i see that happening in the youtube take the best from the left i i totally agree like this this left-right divide is used to keep a 49 percent 51 percent political status quo going indefinitely you know, it's like, I wonder if the Democrats are going to make a comeback in the fall. Ooh, could Trump get reelected re- re- next to it? Yeah, I mean, it's just this endless cycle that goes nowhere. And they they choose certain issues to divide us on. And, and they don't make sense. They're a jigsaw puzzle in which the pieces don't fit, as I said. There's no reason for a traditionalist, uh, a true traditionalist, to, uh, to then oppose environmentalism or to be against art. Or, or to love mega churches and with Starbucks, you know, centers in them and so on. You know, it, it's no, uh, actually what we should, we're trying to synthesize things. We're trying to bring our people out of this divide, which is ultimately leading towards our destruction. Now, again, that, that doesn't, I mean, again, on a lot of things, I, I probably am uh, uh, conservative in, in a lot of ways. I, I think there is a, there is a real left and right on a, on a kind of, existential scale. Uh, but but in terms of policies and so on, no, I, I think we should try to get away from this stuff. This is a little off topic, but what do you think about the whole sort of retro-futurist aesthetic that's become popular? I guess you see it with Fashion Wave, but it's a whole genre. Yeah, I, I've, all, I've been promoting this uh, <laughs> for a while. I mean, I I, I think the uh, retrofuturism in terms of fashion wave was was really great. I, I've actually noticed um, a group that I, I don't really know that much about, but um, uh, I, what are they called? Um, Patriot Front, uh, and, and I've seen some other people. And again, I don't I don't know enough about the group to, to endorse them or not. But they were they were kind of getting at a European Roman kind of fashy Americana. And so, yeah, you see these images. It's a hybrid of like an ancient Roman city with like an 80s uh, neon city. Like a, like, a, like, a, like a window Windows 95 background. <laughs> All right. Like, like, like so, Richard, when you get your own country, will that, is that, that be the aesthetic of your capital city? Yes, uh, we, will live, we will just live in uh, Tron basically world that will that's what the ethno state will look like well i think a lot of get this, ready everyone <laughs> I, you know i think a lot of this it's funny we're talking about this i i wrote something of an article article about it and it was about fash wave secretarianism versus vaporwave hegemon like it's weird because fash wave seems to be like the alt-right version of vaporwave because if you look at vaporwave there's a lot of i guess left-wing things but i think the question the answer should be like there's no doubt well, about the, it that the paradigm today is the a premise of vaporwave is borrowing from consumerism, but then taking borrowing from that and creating something beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it, hopefully, but yeah, yeah, and I, I can see where Fashwave takes it, like, and what Patriot Front is doing, where it's like it's almost as if vaporwave is almost having more power over the alt right. Like we see aesthetics. Maybe that's it. Maybe aesthetics are more important than the political message. 
and maybe people will base political opinions like what we see with Antifa. If Antifa are just the, the, a bunch the of... left always recognized exactly what you just said. Mm. I mean, the left won music. That's yeah, exactly. And like, if you're into crust punk, you're an Antifa. But if you're like yeah. some nerd, listen to like Macintosh Plus or Eco Jams, and then you find out about uh, well, there's uh, there's Excurious. Yeah, and then you become like this alt right kid who's disgruntled about like liberalism, but you like vaporwave. But again, that yeah. the aesthetic is more powerful than the political. Like, let's just. It's also almost like this is why. I'm going to go with Brandon here. There needs to be an alt left so we can have more art and music and then think about politics later. Just persuade people about this stuff and know, you know, that stuff is wrong and fuddy duddy because they don't really understand the true artists, which is probably everyone right now in this chat room. Well, a big problem though, is that there, there are so many people that, uh, that just aren't on the same page at all. And that's like, whenever, when you look closer at this, you, you really see it that you have, people that are just all over the place. And that's why there's so much like drama and infighting all the time is because you have um, the, the time when you see all of these groups united is when there's some kind of a happening, you know, like, a, like a black lives matter riot or, um, or something like that. Um, or, or like the 2016 election, the minute that there's a, like a lull, in anything that's like everyone just turns on each other because really these, these factions are just so, um, so different. And so like in conflict with each other, Christians and atheists and, uh, people who are more socially liberal. And then the people that are just like that, their number one priority is like, is, um, is destroying degeneracy. You know, you have those people. And, um, and in fact, in any time you make any kind of comment or something like, it's almost like, not to sound too like horseshoe theory because that's lame, but um, you have a, a, this parallel culture where even in in the alt right, if you if you say the wrong thing about this or that, like they still like they jump all over you and try to ostracize you. And even you know this has happened to Spencer, you know, plenty of times, right? Oh, made God. some comments on on a podcast. It's like it's almost like what what happens. It's 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 like the same thing that happens to people like like Lacey Green on the other side. You know, it's just kind of like say one thing that's out of uh, out of step or just like a, 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 an intellectual thought experiment. Well, you know, maybe this, you know, well, this is empirically true. And then, but well, there was some case recently where Richard said something about pornography and Nick Fuentes freaked out. Remember that? <laughs> oh, of course I remember it. Um, now I, I actually uh, uh, spoke with Nick and I mean, Nick is a young kid and he's, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying that to demean him. He's, he's 19. He's probably going, you know, probably will be 20 pretty soon. Uh, so I am twice his age. So it's kind of funny. Um, I do think he has a lot of talent. And so um, I, I, I hope we can get past that, but yes, um, I, I, I made a agree, a, a provocative point um, I was actually making a similar point to what I was discussing before. Where so I, this I was, was about to... how porn reduces uh, sex drives, right? Porn. Well, no, it, is, it, it, it was yeah, and, it, and also like about how the universe. Yeah, porn takes you into simulacrum, and so you're you're living online. So in a weird way, porn is not actually inspiring sex or inspiring rape. It is it is uh, supplanting it or replacing it. And so, uh, you know, actually people who might be abusive and, and are rapists or, or a, a molesters or something, uh, when, when, when if they live in that, you know, simulacrum world of porn, 
they're actually uh, less likely to uh, abuse people. And they're, they're again, this is, uh, look, I, I almost hesitate making this point because it just rubs people <laughs> the wrong way. I am not endorsing any of this. Studies have done this. Studies have obviously, this is, I didn't even mention um, what they jumped on. They, I had never heard that someone is claiming that I supported ethical childbirth. I mean, needless to say, that is totally uh, appalling. And I don't, but I was making a, 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 a difficult point and people spazzed out in the sense of like, we finally got him. See, he said, when I said nothing of the kind, you can disagree with what I said, you know, let's have a discussion about it. Uh, but right. I, you I, point, I, you point out a statement that's like, this is, you know, this studies have shown this is empirically true. And it's completely like taken out of context to, uh, uh, into this meme and they just like run with it, like, and, and attack. Like, it's just, it, yeah. I've seen it. It's it happened so many times, like, you know, not just to you, but really just to, uh, uh, to anyone. And it really is kind of this, like a parallel culture where like suddenly like the whole reason you, you get into this movement is because you want to have, um, intellectual debates but with anything is on the table really and then you right. you, uh, you discuss them and 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 now you you're, you're like you're back in this uh, in the same same old thing again like right where we we have to right we're back in some new place where we have to be dogmatic or we have to speak like politicians i don't speak like a politician i i don't i'm not going to recite dogma or recite talking points to you all day long like hey guys uh, you know we're here. We're pro-white, and that means like you know, bringing back the good old-fashioned values. Like you know, guys, you know, tomorrow's a, it's going to be. I a always thought day. everyone in here is just an artist, yeah. and we're just a misunderstood artist, and we do it's, whatever it's, it's, what we like, want to do. No and, one, you know, we're not going to gain anything by that. Like part of part of what part of why we've made the impact that we have, and we have changed the conversation. Part of why is because we're willing to go there. We're, we're, we're willing to take risk. We're willing to talk about things that make people uncomfortable, that, that rub them the wrong way. I don't think we can ever lose, we should ever lose that. If we ever lose that, we're going to just descend into either pro-Trump cheerleading, pro-GOP cheerleading, or just conservatism plus we hate the Jews. You know, so it's like, oh yeah, I'm a conservative, but you know, the Jews, are the, they're, they're the true Democrats. You know, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just no. That this is not this is not what a a real functioning identitarian movement is about, and we are going to become very very boring if that is what we become about. We are uh, at the end of the show. Before I wrap things up, Richard, is there? Do you have any last words for our audience? Uh, no. Uh, if you want, if you want to hear more, um, we do a weekly podcast called Alt Right Politics, and uh, you can find us at altright.com. And yeah, it's like the successor to the McLaughlin Group. Yeah, well, we are we are, we are not the successor. We we are actually the true McLaughlin Group. I'd like uh, to ask so, uh, Richard one more thing. Richard, <laughs> Richard, do you know about uh, Minimal Wave Records? Do you know about that? I've anymore? never heard of that. Well, because yeah. it's here's it's a, it's basically like a synth pop label that's like you know it sounds like Depeche Mode and stuff like that. But I swear when when you first introduced that like alt right logo. And it was like yeah. it was like, and then I looked at the minimal wave records logo. Logo, you have to Google search this. I thought to myself, I think Richard Spencer is listening to synth pop and adding it as a political <laughs> ideology. And I swear to God, he took it from minimal wave records. But I, I was familiar with minimal waves, but it does have that very eighties retro look. Yeah, to it, it says M W, and then when I saw A R, 
I remember that. I think this was like three years ago, that Pref concerts. And then people said, why the logo? And I think you said like something, it's cool. It's hip. It's urban. I'm just thinking to myself, just like minimal weight records. And I'm like, wow, it's an ideology now. But yeah, that's something something I think it's funny. It was, I I was certainly inspired by some uh, Depeche Mode logos from, from the nineties as well that, that had that big DM and that block like way. And, and yeah, um, I think, yeah, I, I, I think we should, we, we should, uh, harken back to stuff like that. Um, we're going to get, we're going to get further, particularly at this point where Trump has kind of petered out, we're, we're going to get for, further by winning over artists, by winning over intellectuals who want to, who, who want to get below the surface, who, who want to think thoughts that are dangerous and seemingly in thoughts they'd never thought before. Um, we're, we're going to get further with those people um, than by, you know, wrapping ourselves in the American flag and, and saying that we're conservatives. Uh, Richard Spencer, it's been an excellent show. I'd like to thank you for being on. Thank you. Uh, anytime. Hopefully, hopefully I'll come on uh, sooner than uh, uh, than later. It, it, I think it has probably been a, a, at least a, it must be two years since I came on. So we'll do it before another year goes by for sure. Excellent. And also thanks, uh, Francis Nelly and Brandon Adamson. Thanks, guys. Nice talking to you guys, like always. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. All right.